This episode of Film Frenzy contains spoilers for The Departed. Consider this your spoiler warning. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Tom. And welcome to another episode of Film Frenzy Friday. Um, today we are talking about The Departed, which came out in 2006, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, this ha- movie has a runtime of 2 hours and 31 minutes. Um, it's starring big names such as Jack Nicholson, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, and Alex Baldwin makes an appearance as well. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say this movie has lots of stars, even if you don't recognize all of them until you get into the movie. You, you kind of see them start popping up. Um, what's his name? Um, yeah, the the guy who plays the detective. Uh, Charlie Sheen's dad. Martin, oh, Martin, Martin Sheen. Sheen. Duh. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah, there are a lot of people in this movie, and I think that you like forget how many are in there until you start watching it, and then you see everybody. Mm-hmm. I looked it up because I wasn't sure if this was based on a true story. Oh, I don't think it is, it's, is it? It's based on a 2002 Hong Kong film called Internal Affairs. It's about the Boston Winter Hill Gang, which hmm. I guess is a real gang. And they say that um, Jack Nicholson's character, um, Costello, is based on the Irish-American gangster Whitey Bulger, who I don't know anything about. But I thought that was kind of interesting because I, I didn't like know. Heard, yeah, I feel like I've heard of that guy before. But, I mean, I'm not too much of a a gangster fan. Like, right. in, like, movies and TV, yes, but not in real, real life. life. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, the big ones, like uh, the guy from Chicago, whatever his name is. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. So, anyway, it's an uh, Irish mafia movie, which right. I enjoy because I just like mafia movies. Right. Always have, always will. You know, more um, Italian mafia is more my thing. Goodfellas, um, right. The Sopranos, that kind of stuff. But this doesn't disappoint. I, I think I liked it from the first time I watched it. Well, this is um, an interesting movie for Scorsese in general because, I mean, as you know, he directs a lot of um, gangster movies specifically. But this movie was actually his first Oscar win, which is crazy considering. Because, yeah, we just went back and looked through, like, all of his movies before this and you know we're trying to figure out which ones we recognize and this was his first oscar win for best director um and this movie got i think it got five nominations four wins um it got nominated for best picture um best director which would be i guess the first one that scorsese took um best adapted screenplay best editing and best supporting actor for mark Wahlberg. but mark Wahlberg didn't win Mark Wahlberg doesn't really play a big part in this. Right. But he's an important part. And obviously we'll get into that, but I think he plays a good part, but yeah. it's not it's not a big part. You know, DiCaprio and, and Matt Damon are the big names in this movie. Right, definitely. And even I think they're even bigger than Jack Nicholson, who also plays a big part. I think all the, the main characters or the, the known actors all play a pretty big part, but I think it more concentrates on um, DiCaprio and Damon. Yeah, definitely. Matt Damon doesn't normally play this kind of part. You're right. That's one of the things I picked up on. He never really plays the asshole. You know, he's always, I don't know, either the nice guy or the funny guy, but he's never the asshole. I mean, he plays a badass when he's in um, the Bourne movies. Right. But that's the closest i ever seen him to becoming, like, a bad guy, mm-hmm. except this movie. And I think he, he does it really well. Yeah, he does a good job. He almost does it too well because... it makes me not like him you know what i mean <laughs> yeah just because he plays that that asshole so well 
So right off the bat in the beginning of this, I never understood why when Matt Damon's character, Cullen Sullivan, right. is a young kid. He's sitting in that diner and Nicholson walks in, Costello, mm-hmm. and he starts talking to him because he knows who he is. He says, oh, you're, you're uh, so-and-so's grandson you know you're still with your grandmother over there and it just it never really made sense to me and it still doesn't they even looked it up why he even befriended him but um right off the bat he's telling the, the shop owner oh you know get him a loaf of bread and get him a you know the cold cuts and you know he gives him the comic books and he right. said if you ever want to earn you know and he, he just kind of befriends him there and i never quite understood that um, i don't know if there's a more of an inside thing to that you know i was thinking about it as we were watching it and I thought maybe I missed something, but I just figured that maybe because you know he said you know the guy the kid lives with his grandmother, probably his dad or his uncle or something was affiliated. I think it's just kind of one of those you know oh this is the connection that we have. You yeah, know? I don't even know if they ever tell a backstory to his who his father is because it's not Costello, which right. I thought I thought oh man maybe he's befriending him because it's like oh I gotta look after this kid because he's my son, but he's not. Right. Because it actually refers later in the movie that he has no kids. Right. And that's that's basically what this movie is about. It's a father-son and their differences and stuff like that throughout the whole movie. And you'll notice it if you if you pay attention. Right. That's basically what it's all about. Huh. Um, because even um, the police chief, um, Queenan, who is... Um, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. He talks about his son later in there, but, you know, he was, uh, I think he's military or something. Something like so that. He's, he's a, away. Yeah, so, you know, he's almost praising his son. Where the other ones, it's like their fathers are scumbags or something. something's going on with them. So there's, it's a whole lot of father-son stuff going on. Yeah, and you also kind of see the um, father-son stuff between um, Bill and... Martin Sheen's character as well. They kind of have a, a twisted father-son dynamic right. as well. And then, well, they, they talk more about Billy Costigan's father was, I want to say he was killed by somebody in the mafia, but they liked his Uncle Jackie. Right. That was always a big thing. Oh, right. you know, his, his father was this, but his Uncle Jackie, you know, I really respected him. So he kind of comes from a, a bad past, but he's trying to clean himself up. Right. You know, he wants to be in the, the police and he's not quite accepted. Well, going backwards a little bit to um, specifically the the childhood aspect, I thought that they did something really interesting with um, Jack Nicholson's character. So if you'll notice throughout most of the beginning, he's when he's teaching these kids, you know, this is how you be like a gangster badass, they have him silhouetted. With kind of like a, a like a hair light behind him, you know, it's just you can just see the edges of him, but the rest of him's dark, and it's because they want to show that he's a dark figure in these children's life, and I think that that's something that you wouldn't even think about, because they want to show him as like this like almost like a dark presence, like of like corruption and corrupting children basically, which I think is cool, and I think that at the end when. When he's finally convinced these kids or, you know, convinced the audience, he kind of steps into the light and for the first time you're like, oh, that's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, honestly, until you just brought that up, I I forgot that scene in the movie. But yeah, it's the second time you see him as a kid, I believe. And I almost would assume that those other kids, are they 
possibly the rest of that crew. I mean, it could just other characters. I it's probably just to show that he's not the only kid that he's doing it to. Right. Kind of thing cuz you know, you've you've got this whole concept within um the story and the universe itself that you know, the cops aren't really there for these kids. And that's why it's so easy for, you know, Jack Nicholson to basically get his hooks into these kids. You know what I mean? Right. So. So that just shows you, like you said, the, the corruption of how, not easy it is, but how it's done. You know, they grab these kids as kids. Right. And then he groomed him. And then all of a sudden, he's joining the police force. Yeah. I don't know if that was their goal all the whole time or if possibly Sullivan want just wanted to become a cop. I mean, yeah, it's definitely possible. There Could was... have been his idea, you know. We don't really get that backstory on him. Right. I guess you could just assume. Right. So I think it's one of those, if you dug deep enough, you could probably figure out there was a motive somewhere. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely one of those movies that there's probably so much literature about out there about it just because of, you know, how deep it is and, you know, everything that goes into it. So, I mean, you could definitely probably figure that out. Right. This movie shows two different sides of the police force right you know it shows two characters going through their training and you know the boot camp situation and it's kind of the same and then somewhere things kind of break off and i i guess it's really an opinion thing on how things break off but it's it's a corruption thing yeah and i just i think it's done really well in this movie Mm -hmm. definitely so it shows you know DiCaprio's character, Billy Costigan, he has the the friend that's, you know, helping him get through the police force, and, you right. know, and they're jogging together, and um, his friend makes the the comment about, oh, you know, if I pass this, my, my girlfriend says I get blowjobs again. Right. So, obviously, those two are pretty close friends. And then you see Matt Damon's character, and he's graduated from his academy, and they're playing rugby, and they're playing against the firefighters. And yeah. you can you can tell then <laughs> that he's already got that chip on his shoulder, right? You know, they're just they're just talking bad back and forth. But I I almost sensed right then and there that you could tell he was a bad apple, right, right. there. Right. Yeah. Getting into this one specific scene when DiCaprio or Costigan is is graduated and he's looking to be on some kind of assignment, so he he goes to meet up with Dignam, who was Mark Wahlberg. Right. And Captain Queenan, who is Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. <laughs> I don't know why I can't remember his name. And as he's as Costigan is waiting outside the door, who comes walking out is Cullen Sullivan. Right. And that's their first cross in this movie. It's their first. They're they're right next to each other, but they don't know who each other is. You know what I mean? Yeah. They become such a. A good and bad duo over time. Right. That this is their first time they're together. So he goes walking out, and now Costigan's turn to go in. So he sits down and he starts talking with Dignam and Queenan, and they are just grilling him right. about you know, or Dignam more. He's grilling him about you know, you're no cop. What are you doing here? You know, we you know your Uncle Jackie. It doesn't fit your profile. Right. They're just just laying it on him. So in a way, is it they're they're convincing him that. You don't want to do this. You want to do what we want you to do. Right. Or is it, does he really feel that way? Because I almost feel like Mark Wahlberg's character really feels that way about him. He doesn't want him in there because he has this dark family, right? Yeah. I mean, because thinking 
you know, this through. Mark Wahlberg thinks that Leonardo DiCaprio wants to be what Matt Damon is. Like, I think that Mark Wahlberg thinks he wants to be a mole and he's trying to pull one over on them. Okay. Type okay. of thing. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, I know that that's what they're they're worried about in this whole right. movie is, Who's and that's and that's what the whole movie's about is the mole. It's the or mole. Or the rat, on the, really. It's, it's, well, either way, it's somebody on the inside that's um, giving evidence or you know talking back and forth. And I mean, if you if you analyze this movie enough, you'll see that it's everywhere. Right. Every one every one of those characters is two faced. Oh yeah. Some are some are doing it for good, and some are obviously doing it for bad. Right. Um, another thing that they, you know, going back to this interrogation scene, um, I noticed that there's a lot of camera movement, specifically in this scene. It feels like the camera is always going around them. And I think that it is to, um, basically show, like, the intensity of the moment, you know, because a lot of times when they flip back and forth like that, um, this isn't necessarily doing that on the nose but um when you're shooting you have um the 180 degree rule it's a straight line down you know the center of whoever these two people are you're shooting so you always stay on one side of the line because if you go to the other side if you go past 180 degrees it'll flip the frame so it won't look the same so that's the whole thing is you don't go past this 180 degree line or it'll flip, and when you edit, it won't make sense. Now, people do flip the 180, but usually it's to, like, invoke confusion or, like, to disorient you. Now, they don't totally do that, but because this scene is constantly spinning around the room, they kind of get close a couple of times. So it's basically to show how um, confused and, like, a little bit defensive that, Leonardo DiCaprio is getting because of all of these questions that they're hurling out at him and he's like I just want to be a cop like I just I just want to be a good guy you know what I mean well even that like that whole scene when they don't want him in there or they're grilling him about not wanting her they even show when his mother dies in the hospital he's talking to his uncle right and even his uncle was asking you know what do you think you're doing you know you're you're not a cop you know what what What's this game you're playing? And he basically says, you know, once I get my money or once my mother dies and I get my money, we have no ties. So he's really fed up with his family anyway. Yeah. And I don't, that would almost insinuate that's his mother's side. So I don't know if he's disgruntled on mother and father's side. Um, the funeral scene. That's the funeral of his mother, right? Of yes. DiCaprio's yes, mother. Yes, early in the film, yeah. Right, okay. So I think we're we're gonna go backwards a little bit, just. Mm -hmm. And I, I like I like the, the um the priest that's talking, and he yeah. even uses the word departed. Right. I I don't know why that gets me. When they Every say time the movie, he says, "Oh, the the faith. This is where we leave for the faithful departed, or whatever it is." You know, he's got that that Boston accent, but it's right. just it's one of those things that they use that term in this movie because that's not a normal term to say when somebody dies. Right. You know? the but departed. they use that. Yeah, which is cool. I think that it's cool when they say the name of whatever it is within whatever, mm -hmm. you know, in any there, situation. There's a lot of movies that do that. Yeah. So going back to this funeral scenes, I think that the first time that I saw this movie, I remember making a remark to you where I was like, why did they fade there? Why did they do that? That's weird. That looks weird. Well, there's a lot of fading to black within this funeral scene. Just 
Like, I felt like it was happening constantly. It maybe happens three or four times. But it definitely happens enough that it's noticeable. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't they fade while they're in the funeral, but they kind of show But they others. come back, and they fade, and they but come back. But they're showing other things that are going on, correct? I think it stays at the funeral the whole time. I mean, I could be wrong, but it's just, it feels very strange in the way that they do it. And I can't figure out, I mean, it could be multiple reasons. I think that part of it is to show that, you know, this funeral is really taking forever in the mind of, like, the person who is grieving it, Leonardo DiCaprio. And then I think that it also just shows, like, those moments of, like, I don't, like, I'm so distressed, I don't even remember what was happening. And then um, it could be, like, also broader time passing. Like, now when I say time passing, I mean, initially at the beginning, I there's a fade, and then they, like, move locations. And then there's a fade, and then it you can tell that it's, like, a little bit later. But the final fade before he's just standing in front of the tombstone crying, like, I don't... I can't tell how much time has passed there. So that must be like a great amount of time, but it could also be like five minutes and everybody's left. So I think that it's the purpose of it is to really just show how much he's grieving and how like messed up he is by, you know, his mother dying. So I think that that plays a really big part on his character. And it could also have something to do with um, why he's cutting ties with his family because it, it almost seems like, his mother was, like, the last good family he had left. And, you know, he even says that, you know, to the uncle. You know, once my mother dies, I we don't, you know, have right. any connection. So I think it, it says a lot about um, his character and why he decides to then go forward with this, you know, mission, basically. And, you know, it's funny you bring up, like, a scene like that because you're you're explaining it and I know what you mean but I don't see it that way. Right. And this is an interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And you know when um, you have a lot of critics that watch a movie? Right. It almost seems like they have a real background in movies like you do where I don't want to say you're overanalyzing. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's not, that's not saying it's a bad thing. It's not – it's – I almost think that a critic – would like look too deep into something like that and say, oh, well, that was a terrible scene because they made it look like this and it should have been looking like that. When I didn't see any of that <laughs> that you're talking about. I saw a funeral. He's upset. We move on. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying, but I almost think that that's misconstrued with some of these critics. I think that's why a lot of critics give such bad reviews on movies. Yeah. Because they're analyzing it too much, where the common fan is just going to say, oh, man, that movie was great. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think that that's something that they teach you in film school, to be honest with you. Because, um, you know, a a lot of my friends and I, you know, this is off topic, but whatever. A lot of my friends and I will, like, do things, you know, just because we think that they look nice, you know. It's just like, I like the way that that looks. And then, you know, you take it into class for, like, your rough cut, whatever, to show it. And then everybody's like, wow, I love the way that you put them in a silhouette there. Like, you know, it really, like, it really just shows, like, how depressed they are and how how horrible. And it's like, I just thought it looked cool. Like, that's it. But, you know, it definitely is something. But with somebody like Scorsese, like, I really think that that was the intention. It probably was. Like, because he's a well-established director. Right. And he knows where to put details and where exactly. not to. But, ah. Uh, I want to say that that's a good thing, 
But I think it gets it gets lost with the common. Oh yeah. A movie watcher, because like I said, I don't see that kind of stuff, and I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent. But if you are putting that much effort mm-hmm. into it, is it wasted? Right. Because I didn't notice it. <laughs> I mean, it's great, but I didn't I didn't quite notice it like that. Yeah. Now think... the, the Easter eggs and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's neat and that's fun. Right. But I also think that Scorsese is one of those um, directors, like a Spielberg, or um, you know, um, who's the guy that did. Um, Titanic. Uh, Cameron, James Cameron. Cameron. Those directors and stuff and producers, they put so much effort into their movies, like Jaws and um, Ready Player One, um, the Star Wars movies, um, Back to the Future. Right. There's so much stuff going on there that if you, when you watch a movie and over and over and over, like I love to do, mm-hmm. you'll pick up these little things that you didn't notice the right. first time. So that to me is more fun than getting it all in at once because it's like, oh, I've already seen it. It's so no big deal. Right. But like Back to the Future specifically, do you know there's still stuff in that movie that I, I watch <laughs> and I, I can't believe it? It's just fun for me to pick up on little <laughs> things like that. It's fun for me as the movie fan. I don't need to analyze it. I just need to watch the movie over and over <laughs> and over. I, but those are the kind of movies I can't get enough of because there's so much into right. them. Well, I had, um, when I went into the film program, uh, my one of my department had said, you know, after you study film, you will never watch movies the same ever again. And that is true. That is true. It is really hard for me to sit down and like just watch a movie to enjoy it. <laughs> right. Because you're going to analyze it. And I'm not saying you're analyzing it too much, but you're probably analyzing it too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it could almost ruin a movie for you. Exactly. Oh, man, that scene. Why? And I've heard you before. <laughs> why did they do that cut scene there? What? Because they did. Stop paying attention to that. There's a great it's movie hard. going on. <laughs> it's so difficult. But, you know, anyway, back to let's, the let's, yeah. let's go back to the movie. This is supposed to be like a serious drama and we're, we're carrying on. But, hey, you know what? It's supposed to be fun. So we're, did you have anything else on that the, the funeral scene that you want to talk about? No. You know, he cried for an hour and a half. And, it felt you know, like okay. it. <laughs> so after that, he goes, he decides he's going to go into the, the program. And they put him in jail. He's, he gets out. And now he's, now he's, a, um, he's a criminal, basically. Right. He's on parole or whatever. And he goes and visits his aunt, and he meets up with the fucking junky cousin who's fucking stupid. Well, before that, can I interrupt for a second? Because they did something really cool here. Is it the prison scene when he's walking through? When he's walking, (laughs) and then when he's walking... I tried not to analyze that too much. (laughs) And then when Matt Damon... When Matt Damon is also walking, and it's the same shot, and it just, it just, it's oh, nice. Well, you pointed it out so to me, nice. and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just watching this. He's just walking. It's there's nothing there. He's just walking. He's just walking. But they also do something cool here. Now, throughout this movie, you remember how with Clerks we talked about the arc number of thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. Well, in The Departed, they have an arc symbol, which is an X. Okay. And I went back and I looked at it after I read about this because it drove me crazy. It's freaking insane. And this is the first time that they introduce the the X, right? The arc symbol. Anytime that there is an X on screen, that character is going to die at some point within the movie. Okay. What's the X? What? Where's the first X? Well, the first... The, there are two X's in that part. There. Matt Damon's character, okay. Colin he, Sullivan. 
Colin Sullivan <laughs> is walking. Is walking, and he and there are like big X's across the screen, and it it must be like the window or something okay. that he's walking past. But then Leonardo DiCaprio, while he's walking in the same shot, it's a bunch of little X's made by the cage. So already at this point, I mean, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. You know they're gonna die. Which is crazy to me. And then we see it more, and we'll talk about it more as we get there. But it was drove me crazy. Did, did somebody have a tattoo or something on them that was an X? Um, or something that looked like an X? I, I almost want to say Leonardo DiCaprio had some kind of a tattoo that it's had an possible. X on him. That, I mean, possible. that's when you said that. I, I almost think it was when he was in jail. When he, you know, because he's walking with no shirt on. Right. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. Now you pointed that out, I'll probably overanalyze this. <laughs> And, and notice all the X's. But it's, I, cause I was like, no, they don't. And then I went back and I looked and I was like, they do that. So that's crazy. Watch, look for that next well, time. Well, the first time I've ever even heard of something like that, of them doing something that way, was um, The Sixth Sense. Right. Because it was one of those, anytime there's a ghost around, something's red. I was right. like, I never picked up on that until you watch it again. They're like, oh, it's red. It's red. <laughs> there must be a ghost. Yeah. yeah. Now I got to watch it again. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Cause I love that movie. But yeah, so that was the first time they do that, and the well, shot flowed nice. Anyway. And even speaking of the prison scene, so you got him walking through the prison, and you got Cullen, where's he walking? Isn't he walking to work or something? Are you sure that's the same scene? Or was it I'm, showing him remember. when he's doing, like, um, when they're doing their training, epi- their training exercises and stuff? Isn't that the same oh, scene? Uh, Maybe. Regardless. Regardless. Anyway. It's showing right there, though, there's two different sides. Exactly. You got, you got DiCaprio, who's playing the role of, oh, I got to be in jail. And now you got Cullen, who's playing the role of, oh, I'm going to be uh, in the mil- or in the in the police force. When you're really this freaking Irish mafia goon who's infiltrated the police department. Right. So it's showing you two different sides there, which yeah. I thought was the more interesting. Not analyzing it too much. <laughs> but that's what I noticed. So... He gets out of jail, yes. and he visits his aunt, who's obviously something wrong with her. She's on oxygen, you know? I think it's his his dad's sister, because she says something, oh, I brought him pictures, I brought her pictures yeah. of my, my father. Yeah, she answers the door, and she's like, oh, I heard you was in the States. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I, I got some pictures of my, my mother that I got from my father, so he's using that Boston accent, Right. and the cousin comes walking in. And um, he says that he was just at a funeral for this guy, Miles Kenefick, right? who actually comes into play. And I almost wonder if that's why, or if it's just coincidence, why he, he got the, the cousin to get in with him. So I don't think it really is. I think it's just a way to connect what's going on. Because on the police side, um, they, they stole the transmitters or whatever that they're trying to sell. And this Miles Kenefick was the one who stole them and then got killed. Right. And that was the funeral that they were at. And it's really the microprocessors that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Costello gets. But that's when that's when his real criminal, that's when he first starts getting into his, man, I got I to gotta be this scumbag now. So, you know, he starts selling the drugs right. with uh, the cousin. And then he ends up in that bar. And this is yes. when you meet Mr. French, who I think is a great character, but I I don't want to say I I think he's a nice guy because obviously he's not, but I like I like his character. Yeah, he's cool. Mr. French. But he's sitting in the bar and he says he says to the bartender, uh, 
cranberry juice? And the guy next sit next to him, he goes, oh, cranberry juice, a natural diuretic. My girlfriend drinks it when she's on her period. So he gets the he gets a drink, he smashes it over his head. Right. And that's that's the time when he's like, I got to be the tough guy here and you know get in with these guys. So he smashes it over his head, and Mr. French jumps in and he says, you know, what are you doing? Um, you know, there's guys you can hit and guys you can't hit. That's a, that's not exactly a guy you can't hit, but we're gonna I'm gonna make a ruling now. You don't hit him. And then he says, uh, what are you having to drink? Cranberry juice. Yeah. Oh, what's it? Your period? Yeah. I love that guy. <laughs> I love that scene. I love that line. That it's fucking hilarious, and it shouldn't be, but it is. So yeah, that's the introduction to Mr. French. So after that, after the scene where he's in the bar, he ends up at um, that coffee shop, and he's having breakfast. Oh and my got, god! And you got the party. two, the two, uh, uh, I guess, of uh, their mafia from Providence, and they're. They're muscling the, the um, cafe owner, and they're trying to get money from him. And he's like, you know, you, mar- you borrowed money in the wrong neighborhood. You went to my Irish neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. So they go on and on. So Costigan is, once again, I got to get him good with these guys, so I'm going to rough these guys up. So he starts fighting with him, breaks his fucking hand right. over the guy's face, and then takes the coat hanger and oh, stabs the guy. That part which I don't is even know. Fucking sick. I don't know how those guys even survived that. <laughs> honestly, getting stuck in the face with that with the coat hanger. That part is so sick. The camera movement with when he picks up and it moves with oh, with the coat hanger or the coat rack. That is sick as fuck. I literally wrote that. What did I write? I wrote, camera movement with the coat rack is sick as fuck. That's what I wrote. Sick AF. Sick as fuck, yes. Sick AF. So after that scene is what when he meets up with Costello for the first time. Right. He's in the bar. Well, they show him in the, in the hospital now. He's getting his hand bandaged up because he broke his hand. Right. And he's sitting at the same bar again. And I believe he's drinking a cranberry juice. They never say it, but there's cranberry juice in front of yeah, him. Yeah, it was red. So he's drinking it, and Costello sits next to him. And he says, uh, you met my friend the other day, Mr. French. And he looks over, he goes, is his real name Mr. French? And then uh, he tells him to come in the back room with him. And then he, t- he just looks at him and he says, I ain't the cops. I ain't asking. So uh, they go in the back room and he's talking to him. He goes, so you roughed up these guys from Providence and sure as shit, they're going to come back and kill you. Now they won't kill you if I stop them. Do you want me to stop them? And he says, is this something I can't handle myself? So it goes on and on. And now they um, they want to check to see if he's wired. So uh, he tells him, check this guy for fucking contraband. Oh, he ain't checking me for nothing. So he starts, you know, patting him down or whatever. And uh, didn't find nothing. So he says, hand. And he's got his hand bandaged. And they, he's checking his hand. He starts smashing it. But if you watch that scene, every time I watch it, it's hilarious. Because Mr. French is supposed to be slamming his hand down. But if you watch real close... You can see that he loses his grip, and DiCaprio basically slams his own hand down. <laughs> so if you ever watch it again, watch that scene, because you could tell that he did it himself. It's kind of funny. Oh so, you know, they, they take the bandage off. There's nothing, and he's freaking out. He's smashing his hand with the fucking shoe now. So he roughed up his hand, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. He's throwing him money. Go get your hand fixed. So that's basically his introduction into this so-called mafia group. Yes. So... At this point, Sullivan's making the assumption that there's a rat in the department, trying to find a rat in Costello's group. So he's saying there's a rat 
but he's also meaning that there's a rat on the other end. Right. So he's also playing both sides. And if you try and look too deep into it, it gets kind of, gets kind of confusing because he's saying there's a rat in the department, but there's actually a rat in his mafia group. Right. Who was Costigan. So that's when that, that whole situation starts about finding a rat right. on both sides. Yes. So Sullivan right there is playing both sides. Right. Well, and then there's a lot of um, rat symbolism in this movie specifically. I mean, because of, you know, the Irish mob and, like, you know, looking for, you know, the bull. But, you know, specifically, like, calling it a rat, they do a lot with rats in this movie, which we'll talk more as we, like, get to it. But, you know, it's there's definitely a lot of rats and rat imagery, which is interesting. Right. Um, now, this is one of the things that I found interesting. So, Costello is talking to Costigan. Right. At one point, and he's talking about his father and his uncle. Right. And how, you know, they respected his uncle and what he did and everything. But he doesn't want Costigan in this group for some reason. He doesn't think this is a life for him. So he's like, you know, get out of here. Go back to school. Right. So I almost wonder if he just sees the good in him. Because why didn't he see the good in someone like Sullivan when he was a kid? You know, he's trying to recruit him. Is it maybe that... Costigan's too old at this point. You know, you shouldn't be in this crew. Or does he think he's not tough enough to be in this crew? I never quite understood that. But I I, I remember him saying that, he, you know, his, his father and, and uncle wouldn't want him to be in there. And he, he told him, to, he actually told him, go back to school. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he would do that. Um, so Cullen met up with the therapist right in the elevator and they had their little so he you know he was hitting on her in the elevator and he's all playing you know the the nice guy and they went to dinner and they had that weird ass dessert and you know oh I, i'm gonna pull my gun out on if it, if it makes a move you, you i'm waiting for you so right. uh that whole weird scene so anyway so she's over the house and it's the next morning and apparently he had a problem performing the night before right and what from what i looked up i didn't notice and maybe you noticed it as she's talking to him about, you know, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It happens to every it happens to a lot of guys. She's actually peeling a banana <laughs> at no, the time. I didn't, I didn't notice it either. Because so I looked it up because I was trying to to figure out if there was a, a hidden scene about something unrelated to that. But yeah, they were talking about her peeling this banana funny. and how funny it was. Or not funny, but symbolic. Yeah. So they never say it, because we even were talking about it. they never actually say it, but he is obviously impotent right. and cannot he's, – he, he's, he's shooting blanks basically. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's what Costello's issue is as well because in the end he says, you know, all this murdering and fucking and no kids right. or no sons he says. So that's the whole uh, father-daddy thing and, and that would make sense why Costello is, you know, recruiting these young kids – Right. These young boys, right? Because he, he never had any kids and he never had any sons. So basically, huh. his legacy is not going anywhere. But if you notice, Matt Damon's character refers to him as dad yes, the whole movie. I was going to say that when and he calls him, and it's pretty fucked up because in in the scene, in the beginning when um, they're um, him and his partner go and they're they're in, not interrogating, but they're questioning that kid's mother, this Miles Kenefick, right. the mother, and they're saying, you know, your son did this, but he didn't do anything wrong, right? 
and Costello pulls up in the street and they're looking at him and his wife or girlfriend is looking out the window and he says, oh, wave to your girlfriend. And she's waving at her and she sees and it's like, oh, shit, they're thinking I'm ratting on him. And she tells him, go fuck yourself. And, right. you know, you get out of here. And um, as they're leaving and he's like, oh, did you get that? Oh, what part? Go fuck yourself. So anyways, they're leaving. There's a white van that's following Costello's car. So he sees that and he gets on the phone after the elevator scene right. when he meets um, Madeline. Yeah, there you go. So he, when he, after he meets Madeline, his phone rings. Oh, hi, dad. He's calling him dad. Oh, yeah. You know, there's surveillance and it's, uh, it's, it's a white van. It's got graffiti and shit all over it. And, and the car behind it's the sound unit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll see you later. Okay, bye. And he's right in the department. Right. And he's talking on the phone with his dad, the Hazy claims. And he's he's ratting right there, and and it's just it's so ballsy. Yeah. That you know how is how is this even happening? Yeah. You know it's it's just because he's that good. Right. You know, he's been bred this way to be corrupt. Yeah. It's really disturbing if you if you really think about it. Right. After that point, Costigan actually meets up with Madeline for therapy. Right. Just as a. Um, it's part of his uh, probation, yeah, right? Yeah, so he's a cadet that was kicked out of the academy. So he's he's actually playing that part where, you know, she's supposed to be um, treating him. Right. So, you know, he's saying how, you know, he's getting panic attacks and I threw up in a trash can and, you know, he's looking for drugs. And she goes, oh, you know, this is drug-seeking behavior, she says. Right. Um, right, because she gives him the one pill or the right. two pills or something crazy, and he's like, "This is enough." One pill? Yeah. How about you just give me a, a a pistol and a something, and I'll blow my fucking head off. Right. And she goes, "And you can get out of here." And he's like, "What if that was a legitimate threat?" And he leaves. So she chases him down the street, and she gives him um, a uh, prescription yeah. for lorazepam. And right. he goes, "Is this enough to commit suicide?" Yeah, maybe it is. And then she says that I'm gonna I'm referring you to another therapist and um at that point he's like hey you want to go out to dinner so was he really pushing her that far or was he just having an episode right yeah i don't know i mean it's definitely possible because he plays a really good crazy person leonardo dicaprio plays mania so well i i don't know if it's genuine or if he's just a great actor you know because I wrote Leonardo DiCaprio deserves an Oscar for this movie because of the way that he, like, gets when he gets, like, crazy and he gets, like, his eyes get all, like, beady and shit. Like, um, I thought that it was funny how they have both of the rats connected um, through the shrink. Uh Uh-huh. I just, I think that that's, like, I mean, obviously they're connected in other ways, but to have both of them have a romantic relationship with the same woman that they really shouldn't be having a romantic relationship with considering like her job within, you know, the police department. I guess she works for the police department, right? She yeah, she um she's a ther- she's the 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 therapist on site. Right. You know, she's there for when the you know, they have to use their weapon. I say he likes to point out, you know, when they when they need counseling for Right the bad situations they find themselves in. Right. So I think that it's funny to have them connected through her, specifically through Madeline. That's really cool. So then she goes to, they go to the bar together, right? Is that right directly after? When they I go to the bar I don't remember. Together? I don't know what happened. I don't think that they leave there, but somehow they end up having a drink together. It might be. Is that directly afterwards? I think it or, is. No, didn't he meet her outside at night or something when she got off work? 
I want to say it was something like that. Oh, I don't know. Because they have that whole conversation where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's like, oh, would you tell him that you were with me? And she was like, no, I'd lie. Right. Is that is that later? No, because I don't think they really have another connection until they have their connection. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, you know, speaking of that, you'll notice that for some reason, even though Matt Damon plays an asshole, he plays an even bigger asshole. So I don't know how far we're moving ahead here, but she goes over to his apartment and she's moving in. Oh, right. She brings the box. So she brings stuff. the box and he's looking in there and he goes, what's that? She goes, oh, it's some stuff. So he pick, pulls up a picture of her and is, is she on a horse or she's something? Riding like or a, riding bike. a bike. So he said, you know, what the fuck is this? She goes, oh, you know, it's, it's a picture. And he goes... You know, I forget the, exactly what she says, but it's one of those, um, you know, I thought I'd have some stuff here. And he goes, yeah, yeah, not where people can fucking see it. So he's all, like, almost ashamed of her. Right. Like she, he doesn't want her to, uh, you know, appear to be. He wants her to appear to what she is now. Right. Like, attractive and professional. And you got this old picture of yourself, and it's like, man, you look like you, you grew up in the freaking country or something. Right. You know, whatever, whatever his reasoning is, it just shows what an asshole he is. But, um, see, I read that differently, but now that you say that, that also makes sense. Well, and what I, and what it translates to is later after that scene, when Costigan ends up at her apartment, the picture is there and he picks up the picture and he says, oh, why is this in a box? And he hangs it on the wall. That shows two different sides of them. So where Matt Damon is actually the boyfriend and they're supposed to be engaged, getting married and, you know, thinking about kids and all this stuff. Right. And he's treating her like shit. And then you got this supposed scumbag parolee or whatever. And he's treating you the way you're supposed to be treated. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of showing that two different sides thing, which I found kind of interesting. Huh. How did you see it? I see, I mean, he's an asshole. Like that's, that's through and through. But my thinking was, oh, he doesn't want her to have stuff there in case, you know, whatever, whoever comes by from, you know, whatever and sees it, you know, because I think that, I think it's ignorant to suggest that they're not watching him. You know what I mean? And especially living in that big ass apartment with all those windows and shit, like he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? But yeah, it definitely could also be him being an asshole. Right, but it's no secret that she's moving in because right. Costello calls him up on the phone. He's got the, oh, you know, put Colin on the phone. You know, he's got yeah. that, making it sound like he's got that voice problem. Right. And she's like, Mayor Sullivan's office. And then he's talking to her. To, yeah, and he, she's like, oh, shit, this must be an important call. My bad. Um, so he gets on the phone. He says, what the fuck is with your phone? You know, because he's always, you right. know, he's, his cell phone's always off or it's run out of battery. And... uh that's another thing that's funny about this movie. It's so dated because they all have flip phones, yeah. which is hilarious. But it doesn't beat the first season of Sopranos when they used pay phones. Huh. Love that. But, um, yeah, so his phone is always – it's always off. So he's always giving him a hard time about that. Um, but he's, he knows that she's moving in because he even says, oh, is that that, that shrink cunt, which, you know, obviously I don't think he really cares for. But I wonder if – he has to do that to make his situation seem more normal. Like he needs to have somebody. Right. But I don't think that Costello really approves of it. Or yeah, maybe he doesn't approve of her because, yeah. you know, he calls her the shrink and, you know, do you like Miss Little Miss Thing Cut 
you know, sucking on your whatever, whatever he says. And he, he's all, yes. You know, he really <laughs> plays the father figure and, like, really, I don't know, treats him like shit. But Yeah, yeah he does that, doesn't he? <laughs> well, we haven't gotten up to the point where they're doing the, where they're doing the deal with the microprocessors. Oh, okay. Because there's a funny scene in there. It's not funny, but it's a, speaking of the whole technology thing, um... So they're at there, or they're at the the location when they have the the surveillance cameras and everything up. Right. And Cullen is caught off guard. He's like, "Oh shit! I didn't know this was going down. I didn't get to warn anybody." So um, he's got to think quick. So he's got he's got his cell phone and he's got his hands in his pockets and he's old school texting oh in his God. pocket with the you know three hit one three times to hit C you know and he types it out. No phones because they know he knows they're tracking their cell phones. But I just thought it was funny that he's texting through his pocket, <laughs> you know, old school like. So yeah, so that's when they have their their microprocessors deal, and um, you know he meets up with the the Chinese, and uh, there was always a funny scene in there because a guy at work used to quote it all the time. And I think it was before I even saw it. He's trying to explain to them, you know, in this country, somebody brings the product and somebody brings the money. No product, no money. And he basically says, no ticky, no laundry. Ugh. I don't know what that really means. I don't know if it's a, a derogatory thing. But there was a guy at work who used to always say that. No ticky, no laundry. And I had never seen the movie. Oh but he was God. telling me about it. And he always said, oh, man, you know that movie? It's good, man. There's a lot of headshots in that movie. And there is. Yeah. But it's more towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Although there was that funny scene in the beginning when Costello's with... with uh, Mr. French and they're killing the husband and wife and he kills the he kills the, the husband he's laying down and the she ladies, fell funny. she's she's <laughs> up on her knees and he shoots her and she falls sideways. What the fuck? She fell funny. It's just it just shows you right there that his mentality. Right. Well, like he just you just killed somebody and you're worried about the way she fell over. Right. Man, you're fucking twisted. And he does they do um a trope called black comedy, which is just the same thing as dark comedy, I guess. Um, but perhaps a bit darker. Um, so that would be like an example of black comedy is, oh, she fell funny. And you know, when he walks out and he's got the blood all over his hands and, you know, he says whatever he says, but like they do it a lot specifically with Jack Nicholson's character. Well, what about when he's talking to him and he's got the dude's hand and yes, he's talking to him like it's yeah. nothing and he's pulling the hand out and he's just holding it. Yes. That's just, and he's in Costigan's looking at him like, oh my God. And at that point he's wearing a wire. Right. And, uh, he goes out to the balcony and he fucking throws the wire out and Dignum, who's Mark Wahlberg, is listening through the, the wire, and he's, he even makes a joke. He goes, oh, man, did they kill him already? <laughs> and that shows you right there that I think he genuinely does not like Costigan. Right. Um, DiCaprio. He doesn't like him. And it's just, it's more of a, a I don't know, it's just a, it's just a job at that point. He's just, uh, he's just our next person. Let's see if we can get Costello with this guy. Oh, he's fucking dead? Oh, well, let's get another guy. But right. you can see that throughout the movie when they meet up and they're always arguing. And, you know, I should fucking, you know, arrest you right now. And then the two of them are fighting and, and Captain Queen is like, you know, oh, man, how do I not arrest you? You know, if anyone's watching, you know, get in the car, get in the car. <laughs> but that shows you, like I said, the the um, the Mark Wahlberg dignum um, mentality of he does not like Costigan. Oh, and yeah. I don't, I don't think it's an act. I think he just genuinely does not like him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so they fuck up, and that's when um, Alec Baldwin, who's in Beetlejuice, but he's 
a lot older in this movie, but right. <laughs> he, I don't think that he has much of a Boston accent. I think he tries a little too hard. Yeah, and he was sweating in that, that, that scene. scene. That was the scene. Yeah. He was soaked. It was, I, like, disgusting. I, I want to say that they did that on purpose. No, I don't... No, you think he was no. really sweaty? No way. No way. Because the sweat on him is not consistent. In between shots, the continuity of the sweat is not So there. you think it's legitimate sweat? I think sweat. he was just sweating. I think that that was probably a hot room with a lot of lights, and I think he was just sweating. And I think that they needed to get a wardrobe person in there to fucking keep changing his shirt. But. I think if we ever watch that scene again, you could probably notice it so much you could smell it because yes. it was terrible Ugh. sweat Ugh. and then he turned around and his whole back was like <laughs> oh poor guy i don't think i ever noticed it until you pointed it out it was so and now gross. i'll never unnotice it yeah mm -hmm. so the microprocessors get away and you know um he's all pissed off i don't even know what his name is alec baldwin's character whatever his either. name is but he gets all pissed off at the guy who set the cameras so he's fucking beating him and um Matt Damon's like, oh, you know, you didn't put a camera in the back. Oh, man, you got to really fucked this up. Obviously, he's happy about that. Right. But they get away because of the whole boat thing. They, they bring boats in because they're on a dock or whatever, and they get away scot-free. And they didn't have the microprocessors. So when Captain Queenan and Dignam confront Costello later, they're asking, what would you do with the real microprocessors? So I never really explain that, but it kind of shows you that Costello's I don't know, because they were worried about the Chinese really getting these microprocessors because they could use them against us, but he didn't really give them to them anyway. Right. So I, they never really explained that. Right. But it's, but it could be that maybe he did that because he's the FBI informant. Oh, that you know, could I'm getting be. getting ahead of myself, but maybe that's, it has something to do with Probably. that. It's kind of an interesting twist on, I just thought of that. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. The next thing that I have is about the, scene where he's doing the cocaine and having sex so it's really strange well it's it's a strange scene i think i think that that is fair enough that's a strange scene i would say so because it starts off and he's got he's at the opera with the two women right mm -hmm. one on each side and they've got this like red light on them and even the way they film that it's kind of like he's he's showing just him and then it's panning out and it's showing the girlfriend and then it's showing the prostitute or whatever she is right right and then, like, they've got this, like, really harsh red light on them, which I don't know why they chose that, but they did. Um, and then the cocaine, when he's, like, throwing the cocaine yeah, he's and like, shit out of him, it's like, flour. You can tell it's flour. <laughs> the way it's sticking. He's like, you want some cocaine? He, bam, slams it on the pillow. Don't move until you're numb. Right. And then he, I think he even throws it up on the ceiling, and it's, like, falling all over him. And he's just got that weird look in his <laughs> eye. Like, I don't even know if he was legitimately doing anything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that scene was even. A, I mean, I you assume that they were having sex, I mean, but I don't know if that's what was going on. I, I think it's just to, like, show how much, like, sex, drugs, and money, like, affect Costello. Um, but I think it's just the to show like the effect of like sex, drugs, and money has like because he has like copious amounts of money, so like what does he do? Spends it on sex and drugs and like high class things. Right. So I I think that's what that whole part is, and the way that he like throws cocaine around like it's nothing. Like mm -hmm. cocaine's expensive. I mean I don't know how expensive it is, 
But cocaine's expensive, and for you to throw it around like that, like, obviously you have no concept of, like, money. Like, right. you're not well, hurting. Well, plus, I think they're in the drug-dealing business, so it's, exactly. it's readily available. Exactly. And for him to have a full platter of it like that, <laughs> that's so disgusting. That's like a scene out of Scarface. Right. Costigan goes to rough up some guys looking for getting money at him. Dude's sleeping on the couch, and he's basically standing over him, and he starts beating him. And, um... He, tell, he starts telling him that, you know, watch out for Costello. You know, he's going to rat you out. And he said, what are you talking about? And then these are his firecrackers. And he goes, oh, shit, is that French? And he goes, what would you say about FBI? He goes, I didn't say nothing. I'm high. I'm high. But he's basically telling him that Costello is an FBI informant. Right. You know, watch out. He's going to rat you out, too. Right. So it's like, boom, light bulb just went off. Holy shit, what do you mean he's an FBI informant? So I don't know if he looks more into that. But that's when you first get that indication that there's something not right. Right. Um, and he gets on the phone, I think, and he talks to Queenan. Right. And he tells him he's an FBI informant. Microprocesses. Did you hear anything about microprocesses? Micro what? So it's, it's like that. So now he's trying to de- devise this plan to, to try and find out who the rat is. So he's telling him, you know, tell SIU such and such. And see if it comes out on my end. So he's trying to flush out who the ba- who who the rat is. Right. Is this when he's at the airport? Yes. That's another X part. That part when the the windows behind him have okay. the X's, big fat X's. You want to know what I think of when I see the him in the airport? What? Leonardo DiCaprio in an airport. Oh, well, catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. <laughs> I, it always gives me that vibe for some reason. Yeah. I don't know if that's intentional i don't even know if that movie was made before or after but that's the feeling i get there i thought you were gonna have the same thing no exactly so there's an x there yep big so, bad X's. so that's at the point where they're trying to flush out but cullen on the other side matt damon is trying to do the same exact thing right so at i don't i i'm getting confused of what part we are in the movie so if anybody's getting lost while i'm just basically bringing up parts of the movie it's not necessarily in order, but at one point they they tell him that um, they want everyone's info. So he he sends around, "I need your bank account numbers and social security numbers, and I need all your numbers." Right. So the guy starts writing down citizens, and he spells it wrong with an S or something. Yeah. So uh, um, Costigan, you know, DiCaprio's like, "That's not how you spell it." So he fucking takes and he crosses out his citizens and writes it. He goes. That ain't fucking right. Look at his citizens. He's laughing because he's misspelled it. But that makes a really big point in this movie, this envelope. Right. It's like the key to everything. So they hand in all their numbers and he says, I'm fucking leaving. And they're all pissed at him. You know, you can't leave. You got to stay here because they want to run everyone's numbers. This is when he goes to the shrink, right? This is when he goes to see Madeline. Because that's where he goes, right? When he leaves them? Yeah. He either goes to see Madeline or he goes to see Queenan. But I think it's Madeline. After that is when he meets her at the apartment. Is that yes, what you mean? Yes. yes. Because that's the scene where they play Comfortably Numb. Right. Which I think is a really good version of that song, even though it's not Pink Floyd. <laughs> it's just a really good scene. And it's a really good song. Right. But yeah, that shows now she's having the intimate affair with him. And she's happy that she finally has someone that can perform. Yes. Poor Matt Damon. Poor Matt Damon. <laughs> I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote that they have, in quotes, relations. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> so they had relations. Um, so at this point, 
Matt Damon's character is now um, assigned with finding the, the rat. rat in the department, yes. who is himself, and he thinks he he thinks that's hilarious. You know, I'm basically assigned to find myself. You know, and he says he says uh, with uh, with you doing this and you looking for yourself, I bet that nobody fucking finds out anything. So that's one of Costello's things. So he's assigned to find himself. Then Costigan meets up and they're in the, the um, X-rated movie theater. Right. And that's when he, that's when their second meeting really takes place. They're in the same place. Right. But they don't know who each other is at right. this point. Yeah. So that's their second, right. their second meeting. And he, he follows him and can't catch up to him. But now he's using his police work, you know, so he, he fucking stabbed that guy, which fucking murders him right in the middle of the street. You know, you're a cop. But um, now he's at the police station. And he's looking at the red light. So he's looking at the security camera, trying to figure out who it is, trying to figure out who it is. And uh, he basically almost gets caught when, you know, another employee comes in. It's like, oh, shit. You know, he's got the citizen's envelope, so he's covering that up now. And that that is just building this whole right. citizen's thing. And um, he says, you know, he's done for the day or whatever. And, and he leaves. But he can't he can't see the face. Um, and Queenan tells him, you know, my guy almost had the rat the other day. And he's like, oh, he, he didn't see anything. He didn't not even a little bit. So he's like kind of concerned at that point. It's like, oh, shit, you know, they might know who I am. Right. You know, or is that before um, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Jack Nicholson meet back up? And he's drawing the rats on the table. That's right after. Okay. The rat. Okay. This Got Yeah, it. that scene is right after. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So he's drawing the rats as they're talking about rats. You know, ongoing with this whole rat symbolism, arc symbol thing that's going on. I don't know if I would call it an arc symbol, but I mean, it. it it's definitely like a symbolic you know, the rat symbol. The whole rat thing. And I think that's a just a big mafia thing. Right. It's always termed that way. Anybody that turns and it like I said, it's it's on the the um organized crime side. Right. They're yeah. they're the rats. Anybody yeah. that rats somebody out, you know, you're labeled as a rat. Yes, exactly. And so yeah, he's he's basically intimidating him, you know, there's a fucking rat and you know, this fucking gnawing this fucking rat. I can't take it. Right. So um he starts, you know, well, who could, who, who do you think it, it is? And he says, you know, well, who, who do you think can be you better than you? And uh, he's basically pointed out to him, trying to lay it all out. Um, and then it leads into him telling him that he's going to work with other guys. I'm, I'm using another crew. You know, right. it leads up to that scene. Right. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, he's using this other crew. I thought I was on for this. No, 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 I want you to go home. So he goes home. And that was a... a a key basically he's trying to see if um oh he's gonna he go goes yeah he's up with queen at his house he goes to queen's house right yeah but no because he gets on the phone with him and he says i don't know something about other guys but you can't oh. tell anybody that so he's waiting to hear from cullen to say they're meeting up with other guys i got a new team or whatever and he doesn't do it so they're playing smart Right. You know, Costigan and Queen, and they're playing it all real smart. He's not letting anything out, right. which is good because that would have given the that would have given everything away. Yeah, exactly. So they're playing it really cool. I don't remember exactly when he shows up. Yeah, because he shows up at his house and he's like freaking out. He's like, "Come around the back." Right. Oh, is that after they put the 
tail on Queen in? No, because when they put the tail on Queen in, that's it. So it's right before that. And I think that's that's one of those build up and break you down situations because like you pointed out earlier, that kind of showed that bond, that father and son kind of feeling between right. the two of them. Where he's like, you know, you want to come in? My wife yeah. left supper. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Come and have some supper, you know. Come and sit down. Um, and he gives him the glass of water. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the next day, that's when Matt Damon's character gets the idea of you guys got to follow Captain Queen. And they're like, they don't like it. They're like, well, why do we got to follow this guy? You know, well, just to find out what the religious side of him is or whatever. I, as as painful as it is, is, you have to do it. So he's basically totally fucking this guy over. Right. You know, he could have said anything at this point. He could he could screw anybody in the position he's in. It's very disturbing. Right. So he tells him to follow him because they're saying, oh, I think that he might be the rat. Oh, my God. You know that he, he's got the guy that you want. Man, you're just playing this so fucking good. So if this isn't a true story, whoever wrote this has it all figured out. Yeah. And it's so disturbing. It's, yeah. But it's great. It's great drama. Yeah, definitely. So uh, they follow him to the, the abandoned apartment. Right. And, you know, and he's even trying to keep it, um, you know, they're on the subway. And he's like, you know, you sure you don't have a tail? No, I don't have a tail. So they, they go to the apartment building. Right. 414, or 314 Washington Street. Or what is it? 344. 344. Because he says 314. So, yes, he says it's 344 because it's written on, it's written in, Spray paint on a on on a plywood. plywood yes. Mm-hmm. So they follow him, and we'll just we'll just cut to it. You know, they um they get on the phone with him. To, um, oh wait a minute, no, Costigan's up on the roof, right? Talking to Queen. Because he's freaking out, and that's when he starts talking about. You know, he's freaking out. He's he had that guy's hand, and uh, you know he's, he's you know, so you know he came out covered in blood. That right. was the scene where he told me he's working with other. The other crew, you know, he came out, he's, he's fucking losing it. You know, he's going to kill me. He's going to find out who I am. He's going to kill me. So at this point, you know, his, his character is getting freaked out. He's like, I, I can't be, you got to get me out of this. And he said, okay, okay, okay. You know, I'm going to get you out of this, but it's not going to be overnight, but I'm, I'm going to get you out of this. So uh, his phone rings and he's telling him, hold on. And the guy says, oh, we, we got the rats, 314 Washington Street. And if you're not paying attention, he says 314, which is 344. So... If you were paying attention, you could say to yourself, hmm, that's a movie mistake. They, they screwed up there. So he goes down a fire escape, and the guys come up the regular stairs. And they get they get a hold of Queen, and they're asking where his fucking boy is. And, you know, he ain't giving no answers. And he fucking, they throw him off the roof. Right. And as he's falling off the roof, and he hits the ground, and splatters blood. And that's the second DiCaprio's coming around. Right. So, you know, he's freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. He's almost in tears. You know, he can't believe this just happened. So they all come running down, and now he's got to play. He's got to flip that switch. Oh, i got to play the other side. Right. Where the fuck were you? Oh, what, what the fuck happened? You know, you told me to meet you. Get in the car, get in the car, you know, and then have the shootout with, right. with the, the guys that are following yeah. him. And, and um, the one guy gets clipped in the side. It goes to the scene now where they're back at their little hideout or whatever, right. and the guy's basically dying on the couch. And he says, when I called you earlier, I gave you the wrong address. I told you 314. It was 344. Um, ask me why I didn't tell anybody. Ask me why I didn't tell anybody. You came to the wrong place, or you came to the right place. How? Ask me. So it's almost insinuated there that he is really an informant as well. Right. And they actually say that on the TV later. Right. But then they're trying to spin it to say, 
oh, they're just saying he's the rat, so I won't go looking for the rat. But was he really a rat, too? Right. I well, think he it, was. Wasn't he like an FBI informant or something? But that's what they're saying on the radio right. or on the news. But then Nicholson is saying, well, no, he's not. They're saying that he's a rat, so I'll stop looking for the rat. Huh. So that's what he's thinking. He said, well, if we say that that guy's the rat, then they'll think the rat's dead. And they won't go looking for Costigan, air quotes. Right. So I think he really was an informant because that's the only thing that makes sense. Well, one of the um, things that I read on TV trope, the, one of the tropes is cop can always spot a cop. And that guy is the same guy that was like, if they don't look at you, they're a cop. Yeah. He was so, standing outside the thing. Oh, you know, hey, that's a nice dog. Oh, it must be a cop. Oh, they must be a cop. Hey, that lady over there. Oh, yeah, it must be the police chief's wife. Right. And they're joking about it. Right. So, I mean, either way, you know, if it is, then that also makes sense. So if it's an opinion thing, I would say, in my opinion, that he is an FBI informant or an informant of some kind. And he was trying to protect him by telling him to go to the wrong place. Right. To try and keep him away from Queenan because maybe he knew that he was Queenan's boy. And it's like, shit, he can't be in the same place as him. How's that going to go? Right. So I think it was his way of giving him the wrong address on purpose. Right. But if he really was, I'd say that he was in deep because he was he was there when they threw that guy off the fucking roof. Right. So if he was, eh, I don't know. He was a little bit twisted. Yeah. Or he was in way too deep. Right. So, I mean, definitely. But they never showed. So maybe he was against them throwing him off. You could you could think of anything. Yeah, but I, 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 in my opinion, he was an informant. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So now Queenan's dead. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, he's the only one besides Dignam that who knows who I am. Right. So that's, it's a big situation. Um, so now, so Queen is dead and they have all his stuff in a box. And now Matt Damon picks up the cell phone and he's like, oh shit. So he hits a talk button and it brings up the last call that he had made and it happens to be Costigan. So this is now their third encounter, but now they're talking to each other. Right. So this is the first time that they're actually interacting. So now they're talking to each other and... Well, actually, when they first call, he 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 didn't talk. Nobody talked. Right. So it was like a um, oh shit, what do I do? So then he calls back. And the costing calls him back, and he says, "You're you making this phone, this call from a dead guy's phone? How'd you get it?" And he starts telling him, "Oh, you know, I'm assigned to your case. You know, I'm taking over for Queen." And he goes, "Well, yeah, let me talk to Dignam too and confirm it." And says, "You know, he's he's very upset. He's on a leave of absence. Blah blah blah." Right, right because they got into that fist fight. In the you know. Two weeks, no pay, or two right. weeks with pay. World needs plenty of bartenders. Yeah, that scene. Yeah. He says, two weeks with pay. So, yeah, he's, he's pissed. Dignam's pissed because you, you got my guy killed. You got the right. captain killed because you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. I don't know how this happened, but Sullivan, Matt Damon, finds out that Costello's an FBI informant. Who tells him that? I don't remember. I think that Leonardo DiCaprio tells him. Or he was, or no, I'm sorry. He saw it in um, Queenan's little black book. Oh, the notebook, right. Yes. So he's, yes. Okay, so he's figured out that he's an informant. Now he's like, oh shit, who knows about me? Right. So I was looking after himself. Um, so it leads up to the big ambush of the drug, the, the, I don't know if it's a drug deal, but yeah, they end up going to the warehouse or whatever to collect the right. drugs and that's when the dropkick murphy song kicks in the um shipping up to boston yes. that's a great song 
and I think it fits well with this movie. Right, and that's the second time they play that because they played it during the opening credits as well, right? Yeah, I, no, they played it when he was in prison. Oh, okay, yes. Well, yeah, but that was still kind of the opening. Yeah, and you know what? It leads up to let's, when it says The Departed. Let's go back to the beginning for a second. Remember we were watching it, and like it's showing like the old the old footage of, you know, stuff that happened in Boston, and then it starts leading up and leading up, and then it wasn't until he was in prison and they play that song, and the title kicks in. Right. So it was such a long intro to yeah. the movie. So, yes, it really was the beginning of the movie, but there was a huge, long intro. Yeah, it was like intro. 10 minutes or it something was, crazy. Yeah, so, yes, that is when they first are playing it. Yes. So this is the second time they play it Right, now. so they're shipping up to Boston, and they're going, and... um Costigan's telling him, you, you know, just because they took the tail off, because that's what he he's talking to Sullivan on the phone. You know, just get rid of the tail. Get rid of the tail. So they tell him, pull off of him. You know, we'll get him at the warehouse or whatever. So Costigan's trying to warn him, say, you know, just because they're, they're not following you doesn't mean they're, they didn't put another tail on you. So he's like, you know, whatever. I don't even care. So he's going to he, – they're going anyway. So they get to the the warehouse and they get ambushed. Right. So – this is when shit gets real. Yeah. So Mr. French gets killed. Actually, he kills himself. He wrecks the car and is catching on fire, and he shoots himself. Nah, oh, fuck it, and he shoots himself. Right. So now Sullivan is basically tracking down Costello in this warehouse. Right. And he's having this conversation with him, and that's when the whole, the whole um, quote of all this murdering and fucking and no sons. Right. But basically that's, that's confirming that – he has no sons and is suggesting that, you know, Costello is um, infertile. Yeah. Which basically is what he is as well. Right. But that's where the whole father and son and the, the same and all those situations take place. So I just I, I always thought that quote to be kind of interesting. Yeah. And and that's why in the beginning of the movie, I thought, well, man, is he really a son? He kept call, he kept calling him dad, but he's not. He's not his dad. He doesn't have kids. And that's why he lures these young kids. Right. That's basically what we're going with, in my opinion. <clears throat> so he ends up shooting him and killing him. Right. Which shows that he's actually a worse person than Costello is. And he asks him right then and there, you know, you're an FBI informant? He goes, oh, you know, I I, 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 I talked to the FBI about everybody. Do they know about me? Oh, I didn't turn in anybody that wasn't already, you know, in trouble anyway. So he basically says he's not gonna, he wasn't gonna turn him in. So he ends up killing him, and his phone rings, and it's his girlfriend. Where's Frank? Oh, you know, he's, he he didn't make it. You know, he's got shot. Yeah, you shot him, you fucking right. asshole. So now Costello is shot. Right. And they're moving to the point where Costigan feels comfortable about going back to um, the headquarters or whatever yeah. to basically try and get his life back. So he goes in there, and um, it's the black guy from the beginning. I can't think of what his name is. I want to say Anthony Edwards, but whatever it is, the guy, the guy he was friends with in the academy, and he says, you know, he sees him sitting in the office. He says, "Oh man, he's been waiting here a long time for you." Now it's their third, or it's their fourth meeting. Right. It's like they're they're interacting now as supposedly two professionals. Supposedly, right. in his mind, you know, we're we're on the same page. He starts talking to him about, you know, oh, we're so glad that you're okay. You know, I'm, I'm, didn't he say there that he wanted to um, recommend him for the um, Medal of Merit? Mer Medal of Merit. Yeah. And he kept, he keeps saying that. And um, 
he says, you know, I, I want to help you, but I can't get into your file. He goes, it's my name. They gave it to me in case I had to explain myself something to you. William Costigan Jr. Right. That's his name. So he, so anyway, he gets into his file and he's, he's telling him, oh, this, this computer's all bloopy. I got to go in the other room. So as he leaves, he sees the fucking envelope. Right. The citizen's envelope, which is the key to this whole thing. Right. And it's, it's that clear moment. It's like, oh my God, this is the guy. This is the guy that I've been chasing. This is the guy that I've been talking to on the phone. This is the guy that killed the captain. You know, this is, this is real. So he fucking leaves. And when he leaves, he comes in, he goes, oh, you know, let's get you paid. And he looks around, he's not there. He sees the citizen envelope and he's like, oh, fuck, he knows. Right. So that's when he, he bails. And then he goes back in and he erases his file. So now nobody knows who he is. And that's when the scene cuts to him at Madeline's office. Right. And that's when he's got this mysterious package, which they never really say what it is. Right. That I can ever remember. So he says to her, you know, I need you to hold on to this um, in case something happens to me or I call you. Right. And he goes, I got no one else to turn to. He's very emotional. You know, I got no, no nothing else. So, um... That's when, you know, she reveals to Cullen at the apartment later that she's pregnant and, you know, he's all happy and we all know that it's not his. Right. It's Leonardo DiCaprio's, which is once again a big fuck you to him. So uh, as he's in the shower, she's going through his mail and gets that CD that says, you know, William Costigan on it. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. I know that name. Right. It's like, whoa, 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 connection, connection. What's going on? Yeah. So she listens to the CD, finds out that... um, Costello's been talking to Matt Damon. Right. You know, Sullivan. And he says that line about, oh, I, I'm a pretty good liar or something, which totally is what, you know, pushed her over the edge. Because it's like, it's one thing that you're like a rat, but like you're also like bragging about being a liar. Right. And we're going to have this relationship and we're going to get married? No, we're not. So I don't know if, if she really knew how bad he really was just from that. Right. I, I don't quite know, but... I guess you get that feeling that she knows. She probably knows. I mean, and depending on what was actually in that envelope, like, after Leonardo DiCaprio finally, like, dies, you know, she probably looked at it before she released it or gave it over, like, whatever it was over. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that she wouldn't, like, considering the relationship and everything. So when he comes out of the shower and he's she's, she's giving him that death stare and she's got the headphones on, he's like, what? And she pulls the the plug on it so the the um the speakers are working and he hears them talking and he was like ah oh, whatever he stops and he goes I can explain that and and um she she says some line about you know and I thought I was the liar right you know because he was you know calling her a liar at some point so she's fed up with it and leaves so he sees the CD and realizes it's you know there's a phone number on there calls Costigan and he's like he's talking to him now he's up on the roof right and he's like you know was the was the um was the sound quality good enough? You know, I was really worried about that. And um, he basically tells him, you know, you meet me. You meet me where um, Queen and died. So he basically meets him up on the roof, and now he's trying to do a citizen's arrest. That's that's a good scene because there's a lot of dialogue between the two of them. And then, once again, this is our final meeting. Right. And it's every one of their meetings, it's been a different situation. Like, this is now the physical, I know who you are. I know who you are, too. And I want to fucking kill you. Right. So he, he really wants to do it, but he, you know, he wants him to be arrested. That's really what he wants. Right. You know? He just wants justice and he wants his life back. And he goes, you know, I fucking erased you. Nobody knows who you are. 
And then Anthony Edwards shows up. Right. And he goes, where's Dignam? I told you to bring Dignam. Mm-hmm. You know, now, don't you worry about that. You know, now he's he's playing cop. I got to I got to defuse this situation. I need right. to, you know, I know who both of you guys are. I need to defuse this. You know, nobody here is right. Put the weapon down, separate yourselves, and we'll figure this out. So he won't. He gets on the elevator. Now Matt Damon, Sullivan's having a fucking breakdown. He's just, you know, he's acting like a tough guy. And as the, as the elevator drops lower and lower, he realizes, oh, man, I'm really fucked. And then he starts fucking boo-hooing. You right. fucking pussy. Boo-hooing about, just fucking kill me. And he's like, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to die. You know, you deserve to go through this. The elevator door's open, and it fucking DiCaprio gets shot in the face. Yep. And, and that was the yeah. moment of like, oh, my God, that didn't just happen. Like, that was like building a house and it fucking burnt down <laughs> the first day you live in it. It was like, oh, my God, all that you just went through and you just got fucking killed just like that. Yep. And it's this fucking corrupt partner from the beginning. Yeah. You know, that fucking scumbag. And he says, oh, you know, Costello was going to turn us in. You know, he was an FBI informant. And he's like, holy shit, how many people know about this? So now dude comes off out of the stairwell he comes around the corner and he's confused, like, oh shit, why is he dead? He looks up, boom, he gets shot by, um, I want to say the partner did it again. So yeah. he shot him. Matt Damon's like, oh God. So he's like, oh, give me your gun. He's trying to clean it off. He stands up, shoots him. It's like, oh my God, all these people just got shot in the head in a matter of 30 seconds. Yeah. So that's where that whole thing just fucking fell apart. And who comes out on top, you motherfucker? How did you pull this off? Yeah. And you're still giving your side of the story to to the um to your own people and oh you know I just want to go on record that I I'm recommended William Costigan for the um, the medal of merit medal of merit and it's like are fucking you fucking asshole. kidding me all that shit you did and you're still still trying to be the good guy yeah and it sucks because he like still comes out on top like he's still the hero and he's like the one that you have not been rooting for this entire movie DiCaprio, you mean? Um, no. Matt Damon. He comes out on top. And it's like, I have oh, not right. been fucking rooting for you. Like, yeah. the guy that I was rooting for the whole time yep. just ended up with a fucking hole in his mm-hmm. head. So then it moves on to the uh, the funeral. Right. And they got William Costigan's funeral, and Madeline's there. And yeah. she walks right by him with that death glare. No, not even a death glare. Just won't even look at him. And he says, well, what about the baby? And she won't answer him. Yeah. Like, motherfucker, ain't even your baby. Yeah. You know, that's what I would have loved to her just get right in his face and say, you know what? That that's not your baby. I just I that would have just been satisfying. But it's satisfying enough as we move forward. So now Matt Damon, pussy ass Matt Damon. I'm sorry, not not you as the actor, but you know <laughs> Colin Sullivan is going to his apartment. He's trying to talk all nicey nice to the lady in the elevator. Oh, the the dog and she, obviously the people you live with think you're a fucking scumbag too. You know right. the lady like tugs on the leash. You're like don't don't talk to my dog. You know how dare you? Well. If you notice in that scene, um, as he's walking off the elevator and, you know, the other lady's getting on, there are X's on the floor. Oh. There are red X, big red X's on the floor right before he walks in, right before he opens the door. So then he opens the door and he's looking around like, what's going on? You see feet first. You see feet covered in um, booties, you know. Yeah. You know like protective, some, like, Dexter shit. Yeah, the protective booties and the camera scrolls up and it's fucking... Mark Wahlberg, Dignam, standing there. And he's just got that typical Mark Wahlberg pissed off look <laughs> on his face. Like something straight out of fear, you know? But anyway, he's got that 
fucking death glare in his eye. And he's looking at him. And Matt Damon looks back and he was like, all right. So it's either he's given up, like, okay, you got me, or, all right, I know you're going to fucking kill me. He pulls that gun out. Boom. You know, got that nice silencer on there. Plow. He just fucking falls to the floor. His bagels go fucking rolling around. And Digna puts on a hat and fucking walks right out. Yeah. And then there goes the rat. The rat on the fucking windowsill or the, the, the railing. Yeah. Boom. That's the closing scene. And that's just, that just made it all better. Yeah. But it still sucks that, you know, DiCaprio died like that. Yeah. That's just so screwed that's up. That's such a shocking, like, moment. It's, they literally killed him for shock value. Absolutely. Like, just for you to be like, ah. And that's what it was. I remember the first time we watched it. It's like you're going through this whole movie, and you're like, man, it's a really good movie. And then, bam, and you're like, holy shit, that didn't just happen. Like, yeah. I'm so confused right now. How can that happen? How can that happen in this movie? Yeah. But as you watch it more and more, which I do, but anyway, <laughs> as you watch it, you kind of you kind of um, enjoy the fact that it was it was – done the way it was because it makes for a great story even though you're pissed off you kind of happier in the end right kind of works out it's kind of like a bittersweet ending i guess you could call it i mean you know the characters that you were rooting for are all dead but i mean so are the bad ones so i mean it's it's not the worst right. it's not like you know matt damon lived on to have a happy life and continued to have the girl i mean he lost it all and that died, so. But now Madeline is a widow. Not a widow, but a single mother. Single mother with, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a great movie. I would still watch it again. Yeah. It's such a bummer. It's added on such a down, down note. note. <laughs> That's what life is. A series, a series of down of endings. Down notes. <laughs> All Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. But anyway. <laughs> so, um... That one was long and drawn out, but I had a lot of notes on this one. I really enjoyed this one because there's just so much that goes into it. Um, I may have rambled a bit much and like laid out the entire movie, but there's just so much that happens in this movie right. that's so good. That's that's the way it is with these long movies. It's a what a two hour movie? I think it's two and a half. Yeah, so two two hours and thirty one minutes is the runtime. So with credits. And if anybody is still listening, I'm sorry I rambled so much, but I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> so. We'll wrap this one up. What are we doing next week? Next week is Memento from the year 2000. Um, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's got a two-hour runtime. And if you want to watch with us, you can watch it on Amazon Prime uh, for free with ads through uh, IMDb TV or something. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this is definitely um, a classic. I don't know how many people have like i don't know how mainstream it is but it does some really cool things in terms of like the timeline yeah the if, movie. Any, That's if anybody has say. not seen it it's definitely recommended you watch it yes. and it's something you might want to watch more than once because it can be kind of confusing the first time you watch it but it's done i think so well i remember the first time you watched it yeah i do it I... was one of those oh my god i that, as it ended you were like that was the greatest movie i ever saw like, I can't even believe that just happened. That's my kind of movie. Anything that... It's not really a time travel movie, but it's just the way it's filmed, like, backwards. And I don't know, it's just yeah. different. But those are the kind of movies I like. Like, um, anything that deals with um, futuristic... Or not futuristic, I'm sorry. Um, time travel. I freaking love those movies. Because right. there's there's just so many things you can do. And with the, you know, changing things as, as they're going along. It's right. not really that... But it is that. It's it's more of a, I would classify it as like a non-linear timeline. 
That would right. be the way that I would right. classify it. I wouldn't. It's not like a sci-fi. It's definitely no. A, it's a drama. I would but call it like a thriller. Yeah, yeah I would. I would, I would agree there. But yeah. it's it's a good one. So if anybody hasn't watched it, definitely watch it. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Um, and if you aren't following us on Instagram, do it at Film Friends Podcast. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. That is the place that you will hear the most um, from us about what is going on when things go up. Um, so two very important places to be following us if you are not already. Um, and I guess that wraps up The Departed. Yep. All right. We'll and see you next We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week.